0: Welcome to the Sam the Answer Man podcast. For 30 years, Sam Ventola has been an attorney, hearing officer, professor, and mediator. Now he's here to answer your legal questions. Sam the Answer Man, law made simple. Here's your hosts, Sam and Gina Ventola. Hey
1: everybody, I'm Gina.
0: And I'm Sam.
1: Welcome to the Sam the Answer Man podcast. We are so glad you're here. Sam, I gotta tell you about this burning question I have. Okay. I hear these terms thrown around independent contractor, employee. They're not the same, are they? What? Why why would someone do an independent contractor instead of an employee?
0: Well a lot of businesses are sort of reclassifying or classifying in the first place their workers as independent contractors rather than employees. There are a number of reasons why they do that. They are trying to avoid taxation. They're trying to avoid having to pay the employer portion of Medicaid, Social Security. Um, It's easier record keeping. They're not having to keep records as you would for an employee. And they may be trying to avoid um, insurance requirements that apply to employees not necessarily apply to independent contractors.
1: Okay, so is a business just allowed to say, hey, I'm gonna just make it make you independent contractors so I don't have to pay all this stuff?
0: No, they can't, and that is the problem. There was a study done in 2009 by the United States Department of Labor, and they said that 30% of businesses had improperly classified their workers as independent contractors when they should have been classified as employees.
1: So wait a minute, what's that statistic again?
0: It was 30% in 2009, and I would guess that if they did that survey now, they would find it would be a lot more, because there's a lot more aggressive use of independent contractors now than there was then. And I do think that a lot of us, if we really looked at how our workers should be classified, would find that we're improperly classifying them as independent contractors when they should be classified as employees.
1: That's not good. I mean, even 30%. It's not good, so what happened? I mean, how can, a, how can a business know, hey, I'm following the law, and I this person is definitely an independent contractor. How, yeah. do they, how do you guys know?
0: And that's part of the problem with the law in this area. There is no hard and fast test. There is no way of absolutely knowing, okay, under this formula, this person's an independent contractor, this person's an employee. You, they're, what they have are tests that are set up with a number of different factors and they say these factors will be weighed in order to make a determination as to whether a particular individual should be classified as an independent contractor or an employee. And these tests come, the other thing is, these tests come from a lot of different places because there are different government entities that are interested in the issue. For example, the IRS is, of course, interested in the taxation issues, and they have their own set of criteria that they use and tests that they follow. And again, it's not a hard and fast test. It's just a, f- a number of factors that are looked at. Same thing with the Federal Department of um, Employ- Department of Labor. They have their own independent test, and the Colorado Department of Labor and Employment has its own test. And so there are different purposes for which somebody might be an independent contractor or an employee, and there are different tests that are applied, but none of them is hard and fast. However, in the case of the Department of- Colorado Department of Labor and Employee, they do say that they have a test for a contract that you have with your your independent contractor, and if you have a written contract with an independent contractor that contains these provisions to their satisfaction, that contract will be rebuttably presumed to be a independent contract. Wait,
1: wait, 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 wait! You just threw out like a hundred dollar legal term, rebuttably. Gosh, that's so much fun to say. Rebuttably presumed. Did okay. you explain to these yes. guys?
0: So, a rebuttable presumption is one which um, establishes something temporarily, but it can be overcome by evidence. So, in other words, if I satisfy all of the requirements of the car or the Department of Labor and Employment for their written contracts for independent contractors, then I will have, at least for now, established that that person is an independent contractor. However, the Department of Labor and Employment can come back and say, well, despite that fact that your contract passes that test, the rest of the evidence, the rest of the story shows that the person actually is an employee rather than an independent contractor. And just conversely, if I don't have that contract, um, and or if there's some reason why I couldn't have that contract exactly the way the Department of Labor Employment wants you to have it, one of those one of those facts wasn't true in my case. I'm rebuttably presumed not to be, have, be able to call that person an independent contractor, to be required to call them an employee. But again, it's a rebuttable presumption. If I can come up with enough evidence to show that under other tests, the person should be regarded as an independent contractor, then I can overcome that rebuttable presumption and show that the person can properly be classified as an independent contractor.
1: So in the contract, what needs to be in the contract to kind of add evidence to the rebuttable presumption. Well,
0: in order to get the rebuttable presumption, you have to have all of these factors in the contract, and there are a number of them. One, for example, is that your contract has to provide that you are going to be making your payments not to the name of the employee, but either to the employee's own company or at least a trade name of the employee. So if you have somebody who you want to treat as an independent contractor, it's a very good idea to get them to... Uh, Register themselves as a trade name or at least use a trade name and And then you make your checks payable to that they have set they set up a bank account that allows them to cash that Because you're not going to be able to have the contract that achieves that rebuttable presumption if If you're making the payments directly to the employee. That's just one example of that And and there are a number of other things there's provisions regarding how much training the person gets uh um, whether uh, the contract has to be in writing and there are a number of disclaimers that have to be put in the contract where you have to say, you know, you're hereby notified that you're going to have to pay your own taxes, that you're not entitled to unemployment benefits, that kind of thing. So uh, definitely either look those up or speak with an attorney. If you are trying to uh, be involved in a contract with somebody who you want to characterize as an independent contractor, because then you can at least, um, create a document that, another fancy Latin word is prima facie, at first look. Prima facie is an independent contractor agreement, although, again, there are other factors, and some of them I think are more important than others, that can still cause that person to be an employee rather than an independent contractor.
1: Now, are some of these factors, as you said, are they industry-specific? Like, if you're in this industry, like, let's say, for example, the tech industry?
0: It can vary by industry just based upon the realities of the industry. For example, I think one of the main factors that a government entity is going to look at in determining whether or not somebody is an independent contractor is, do you make the person come into the office to work? Now, in an office job, I think it would be very, very difficult for you to force that person to come into an office and be present and say they're an independent contractor. You probably have to let that person work at home or their own office or any place where that person chooses to work. If you dictate that place of work, you're gonna be causing that person to be an employee. However, if you are in an industry such as an assembly industry, a factory industry or something where the work, maybe some kinds of high tech jobs, where the work has to be done, you know, on site, then the mere fact that that person is coming to the site is not going to be ca- be causing them to be independent, uh, to be an employee. Because again, it's the necessity of the, of the industry requires it. So some of these factors are industry dependent in that way.
1: Okay. So let's do the flip side. What happens if you wrongly, if an employee or an independent contractor is wrongly classified?
0: So um, a number of things can happen, and part of it depends on whether it was a reasonable attempt. So the IRS has what's called a safe harbor provision which says that if the person was reasonably, although incorrectly classified as a uh, independent contractor, you're not gonna be required to go back and pay back taxes or anything like that. That exists now, it's, it's sort of a loophole in the law, law that's existed since the 80s, could be changed at any time. Um, however, other things don't provide any safe harbor, so if you've got an employee who you haven't been paying overtime, uh, you may be required to pay back overtime all that time, including uh, penalties and so forth. If you have an employee who you have been paying less than the industry standard, upon being classified as an employee, the entity or the court may, may require you to increase their pay up to industry standards. Um, you may be, if you haven't been providing insurance benefits, you may be required to do those on a going backward basis. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of bad results that can happen if you misclassify an employee or a person as a, um, uh, uh, independent contractor when they should have been an employee.
1: So if these business owners out here want to know, what do I do? What should they do?
0: Well, I mean, I, I do think it's, it's useful to look to speak with an attorney. And I also think that it's useful to look at some of, again, what I think are the key elements. If you're saying that they can't work for anybody else, I'm sorry, you've lost. That person is an employee, if you're trying to be exclusive about it. If you're saying that the person has to work certain hours, unless, again, there's an industry reason why it has to be those hours, um, you're probably going to lose. And again, as I said before, if you're requiring them to come into an office when all it is is an office, you're going to lose. There are a number of lesser factors. Uh, Generally, office people hopefully are using their own computers rather than equipment you provide. Um, If you have lengthy and detailed training programs that you require people to do, that's probably going to cause them to be um, employees rather than independent contractors. So, um, you know, these things you could check. On the internet, how each of these entities, each of these agencies um, evaluates the issue, the factors that it looks at. But again, there's no answers there. And even, and even if you speak to an attorney, there's no final answer. But at least by speaking to an attorney, you can go through the facts in your case, and we, we as experienced attorneys can compare that to what we've seen in the past, and we can give you at least a, an opinion as to whether or not you're likely to be able to treat that person as an independent contractor rather than an employee.
1: So there you have it. So if you have any questions, you can always contact us via our website. There's a great contact us form, and we love to answer your questions, and we love to hear from you. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So and don't feel like you've and, missed any clips. iTunes. We're on iTunes. We're on iTunes now. So if, you like, if you're partial to the audio, look up Sam the Answer Man podcast, and there we are.
0: Except you don't get to see how cute we are if you do the audio. That's true. You miss out on that.
1: That's true. You miss out on that. Um, But lastly, Sam has written an incredible article on this, which will be up on our website, and you can just go under it'll say recent blogs, and it'll be the first one you see. So no matter where you look, we will be there, whether it's on the internet, on our website, um, telephone.
0: Uh, YouTube,
1: YouTube, email, Sam at Samventola.com.
0: Podcasts.
1: Podcasts. Everywhere. There's, we are everywhere. No getting away from Join it. the resistance. <laughs> um, business owners, join with us. Um, thank you so much for being here. And it was nice talking to you. Nice
0: talking to you too. It was
1: great kind of getting all that information and, and stuff like that. So you guys have an awesome day. And we'll see you next time.
0: Bye-bye. If you would like to discuss your legal issue with Sam, please contact Ventola Law at 303-864-9797. Or check out our website at www.ventolalaw.com. Ventola Law, mediation
1: and legal representation at an expert level.